Hello and welcome to episode five of Pause It For Me. I'm here with Hannah. Hannah, what's your take? Were Ross and Rachel really on a break? I don't think so. Really? No, I think they just had a bad fight and they needed time to cool down. And in Rachel's head, it was just like a cool down period and they would have got back together. Okay, but Rachel straight up said to Monica, we decided to break up. That's what she said. Those were her words. Uh, that they should have, I don't know. I mean, whether or not they were on a break or not, Ross shouldn't have just like dove like uh, into the deep end with someone else like immediately after their breakup. Like that's not cool. Well, yeah, Ross is a poop head. Yeah. Anyway, so we watched The Birds and we also just finished watching Hitchcock, the movie Hitchcock from 2012 with Anthony... Hopkins, I almost said Anthony Perkins, mm-hmm. playing... Anthony Kiedis. Play, <laughs> well, yeah, thank God not. <laughs> uh, Anthony Hopkins playing Alfred Hitchcock, or Hitch, as they tended to call That's him. That's right. And a little bit later, we're going to be talking about Vertigo, but we actually haven't watched that yet. But we'll take a little break before that. So, uh, we watched The Birds about a week ago. You had seen it. Yes. A while ago, I, I believe. I saw it on DVD... Probably before we started even dating, maybe in like college or something. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen it. Yeah. But I've seen I've seen a couple uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies in high school. I took a class where we watched some some Hitch films. Mm-hmm. Um, which ones? Uh, so I saw Psycho, which I really really liked. Mm-hmm. Rear Window, which I loved. Oh, it's the best. And I would love to watch again because I don't yes. think I've seen it since then. I, I want to see it on the big screen. Yeah. That'd be really cool. That would be awesome. Such a great set piece. Just oh, so yeah. much to talk about, but yeah. for another day. And then I watched Vertigo, which I hated. Well, maybe you'll like it. Like truly, <laughs> yeah. truly hated. Yeah. I'm not going to say yet why I hated it, um, but because I don't want to spoil anything, but you will be going in knowing that it's a critically acclaimed movie that I personally hate. Well, it's critically acclaimed, but at the time, it didn't do well. These, so. these are potential facts. Right. Believe them or don't. Okay. <laughs> and uh, in more, more recent years, I have seen North by Northwest, mm-hmm. which I thought was really overrated. Um, I, I was turned on to it from James Rolfe's review, which made it sound really, really cool. Like, it was about a guy who's mistaken for a spy and he's trying to track down the spy to clear his name. That does but, sound cool. But then he found, finds out that the spy doesn't exist. And uh, it was just like a, a card that was played by certain uh, organizations. Um, but then he assumes the role of the spy and like becomes the spy for real. I mean, everything you're saying sounds awesome. It sounds awesome, but it wasn't very awesome. Uh- In my opinion. Maybe. Well, okay, we're looking at the perspective of 2020 cinema. Yeah. You know, 1960s, it's a, it's a different ball game. But 1960s was also full of Bond spy movies, and those were great. I don't know. Is Dr. No that good? Uh, I mean, it's better than North by Northwest. North by Northwest might have been 50s, though. Mm, maybe. Wasn't it in the beginning of the film... North by Northwest, the one he did like right before Psycho. So that'd be 60s, right? Uh, I think he did Vertigo right before Psycho. Because they kind of touch on that in Hitchcock, but we'll get there. Um, so I saw North by Northwest and you haven't seen it, right? No. I watched it with my brother. It was it was 
the first half was fine and then the second half i was kind of getting a bit bored and then the ending was a complete joke like it's literally a joke but again movie for another day and then you and i watched rope which was also yes. awesome yeah that was great. so all that to say the hitchcock movies that i've seen in my opinion have ranged from really great to really sucky i mean that's fine like (laughs) you know he's still an iconic director he set the precedent for a lot of cinema of suspense and horror to come after it i just think he's like overrated and underrated at the same time yeah because psycho rear window and rope were fantastic North by Northwest and Vertigo. Mm. I mean, three of some of the best films of all time and then some so-so movies. That's still a pretty good track record. He's the Steven Spielberg of his day. <laughs> Steven Spielberg has more than three good movies. Well, I mean, sure, but he's also got more than three bad movies. Yeah, fair enough. So um, we watched The Birds which I hadn't seen. So going in, I really wasn't sure to expect something magnificent or something real crap. Mm-hmm. And I haven't told you what I thought yet, even no. though we watched it like a week ago. I'm very curious because I can tell you what my perspective on it was with the first time I watched it, if you like. Yeah, for sure. So before we jump into that, we'll just give the audience a little taste of what it's about. So as follows... A wealthy San Francisco socialite pursues a potential boyfriend to a small northern California town that slowly takes a turn for the bizarre when birds of all kinds suddenly begin to attack people. Mm -hmm. So your initial thoughts seeing it the first time. Well, I mean, the poster is Tippi Hedren, the star, getting attacked by birds. And I knew like, oh, this is like one of the early like classics of horror cinema. So I was expecting a lot of bird attacks, but (laughs) like the first half hour plays until there's any bird attacks at all. (laughs) Like they're in a bird shop, they talk about birds, but the lead actress doesn't actually get like attacked by a bird until like, well into a half hour into the film and then like the action doesn't ramp up for like another 30 minutes after that that's the suspense the master of suspense that's who we're here to talk about today i i guess so i just i expected it to be creepier than it was and i was like oh this is a really slow build i thought it was plenty creepy but go on I enjoyed it better the second time, actually, because I had lower expectations. Mm, Okay. So so the first time I was expecting a movie as good as Psycho, because I had seen Psycho already, and it just wasn't that to me. And, you know, maybe maybe watching it on DVD alone, it it just wasn't as good of an experience, maybe. Mm. But watching it in, like, a remote cottage on like a really gloomy, windy day. Yeah. It really set the tone for it because she's going to like a seaside town and we were like, we were watching the film right next to a lake out the window. Brag much? (laughs) (laughs) Gather yourself. You good? I'm sorry. (laughs) I have a tickle in my throat. You have a disease. 
Go on. What's my disease? Um, loving me too much. You can never love you too much. <laughs> Continue. Um, yeah. So the brag. So so it it really set the mood. It was like the perfect place to watch it, and I think that helps in watching it with like a buddy to like help keep it engaging and like chat about what's going on helped. And am I your buddy? Yeah. Hey. And I and and you know I I thought the romance was interesting maybe unnecessary but it helped move the plot forward we'll, we'll get into more specifics in a moment but mm-hmm. i enjoyed it better on the second watch um the television we were watching it on <laughs> is really small really small and when we put the film on i was like oh there's a hair in the gate classic classic <laughs> yeah. film yeah it was like the first shot with like the title card the birds i'm like that's really lazy like that's it's the opening sequence like don't have a hair in the gate for the opening shot and then mm-hmm. i like see like what i think is a hair in the gate later on and i'm like this tv just has a scratch on it <laughs> yeah. so i apologize mr hitchcock <laughs> you wrote him off too quick yeah yeah um so i thought it was pretty good it was pretty good it was it was middle of the road middle of the road for sure i actually so i found myself pretty nicely sucked in the opening scene kind of confused me a bit i was like okay she wants to buy a bird but then she pretends to be the associate at the store and i was kind of like okay where are we going with this but then i realized it was just kind of like a over-engineered meat cute yeah, kind of thing definitely and then it, it, like I said, it sucked me into the whole like, okay, she's she's following him to the little seaside town, and she wants to she wants to get to his house and deliver the birds without him seeing her, and she's trying to be all sneaky. And I was like, you know what? I'm behind this. It's weird, but it's funny. It's and definitely I'm weird. It. Yeah, she's a sociopath <laughs> who goes who meets a guy and then drives like two hours to his like family home. And then buys birds, takes a boat to surprise him across the water, and then goes into his house without knocking and just, like, leaves it in the living room. I'll tell you who. A true psycho. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's obviously very entitled because she's, like, they talk about how she's a spoiled socio- or Socialite. So- I'm saying sociopath. Socialiteopath. Yeah. Because... But, like, we don't actually see that, which is annoying. They just talk about it. I would rather, like, a show don't tell kind of sequence of, like, establishing the character as this brat. Sure. But, like, we just hear about it, which is annoying to me. But, like, yeah, anyway. Well, I thought all the performances were good. I thought Tippi Hedren did a good job. Mm -hmm. It's funny, by the way, that you pointed out by name that the poster is a picture of Tippi Hedren being attacked by birds. Because I was just looking through the trivia and I read that it's actually not Tippi Hedren on the poster. Well, it's supposed to be someone that looks like Tippi Hedren. I know. Evil Dead did the same thing. I think there's more than a few posters for the first Evil Dead that does not feature the actual female leads. Mm -hmm. Well, the poster that I saw, it had like Alfred Hitchcock and then it had like the drawing of like a woman getting attacked by birds. And then the lower corner it said introducing new personality tippy hedron <laughs> and it had like a little picture of her yeah yeah well speaking of uh the trivia i actually uh wanted to introduce a new little thing to the show very inspired by fast facts on office ladies because mm-hmm. they're big office ladies fans i'll come up with a different name for it that's not of fast course. facts but 
Uh, I pay, uh, pulled a couple uh, choice pieces of trivia that okay. I'd like that I'd like to read aloud. Andy's from, trivia from corner. That's okay. For now, we'll call it Andy's <laughs> trivia corner. Working title. Uh, trivia number one: When audiences left the UK premiere at the Odeon, Leicester Square. Sure. Leicester, in London. Yeah. Wherever it was, they were greeted by the sounds of screeching and flapping birds from loudspeakers hidden in the trees to scare them further. That is hilarious. I would find that super effective Pokemon style because when we when we were driving away, every time we saw a bird as we were driving, we we're like, <gasps> bird. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like creepy. Yeah. And you were like, you were like, what if right when we finished the movie, there was just like a bird sitting on the windowsill staring at us? And I was like, I'd probably poop my pants. <laughs> I mean, it's effective. I mean, some of the effects are cheesy, but the real bird stuff looks good. Still. Yeah. So going back to my actual thoughts, I found it I found it pretty effective. I wasn't really sure like how far they were going to take it, like if they were going to like drive all the way back into the city or like where exactly yeah. it was going. So points to it for that. I, I didn't I couldn't tell where it was going. It ended in a spot that I didn't really expect. Um, but I think that final scene really helped the movie a lot. Um, it gave me Night of the Living Dead vibes that they were just kind of like holed up, trapped from a was, uh, yeah. trapped similar. trapped from a supernatural source that was attacking them outside the house, and they were just trying to escape. Very different ending from Night of the Living Dead, but uh, I appreciated that. And and like I said, that final scene where they kind of like tiptoe out. And they're all kind of traumatized, but then you see you see the connection and acceptance between um, Mitch's mother and Tippy Hedren's character, whose name mm-hmm. I do not remember. I liked that little Melanie look. Melanie Daniels. Yeah, I like that little look between them of like, oh, you know, we're I'm accepting this relationship, right? We've been through shared trauma. Yeah, <laughs> we've been through it together. And yeah. I don't know something about that final scene probably bumped the movie like a f- like at least half a star for me because mm-hmm. it just kind of tied eerie. it together mm-hmm. and uh and, and yeah they ended it with them just kind of like driving out of the town and i even joked when we were watching it the car was driving away and i was like the end like as a joke i said that out loud yeah and then it actually ended up and i was like oh well all right then. what's your thoughts on that <sighs> it's hard to to really say much about it it just kind of like ends i guess because it seemed they never they never figure out what the cause was they never really defeat it they never establish whether the the threat of the birds are going to follow them into the city Mm -hmm. so i i didn't love the ending because it didn't tie up loose ends but i liked it enough because it it did feel like we had made it through the main threat and that there was like a light at the end of the tunnel and Mm -hmm. like you could you could imagine that they got away from the threat and that they were safe and sound and that's a logical place to end the movie but you could also imagine like well the birds aren't stopped they they never really like found an end or a source behind this threat so it could have gone on it could have stopped there i i was okay with the ending but the way that they that they shot it how quiet it was um yeah really i i felt was effective speaking of it being quiet piece of trivia number two 
Um, Although there is no musical score for this movie, composer and Alfred Hitchcock collaborator Bernard, let me try and get this right, Herman, it's the extra N at the end threw me off, uh, is credited as a sound consultant. So I found it fascinating that there was no music. Mm -hmm. Well, he was the guy that did the sound for Psycho. Right. That came just before this Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really effective in making the whole experience feel creepier because it was like music can sometimes make a uh, situation feel a bit more familiar, you know, or or remind you that it's that it's just a movie, you know, mm-hmm. if it's a uh, non-diegetic sound that's that's not happening in in the context of the film. Um, it, it helps sort of like wrap the experience in a blank and it's like, it's okay. It's just a movie. It's just happening on the screen. But the fact that there was no music kind of made it feel more real, you know, that it's yeah. like, there isn't a logical progression and conclusion to this theme. And like when the music is over, the threat is gone. It's just kind of like, I, you don't know when the threat is going to be gone. That's true. I mean, I, I really liked the last scene like the tiptoe, like you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Like, are they going to get away or are they not? And I was so used to modern cinema being like, there's going to be one final jump scare. Yeah. And um, according to the original ending, uh, I read the script of this on the DVD that I rented initially, but now I can't find like, or if I did read the script, it would be really long. Right. So here's just a description of the original ending. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you haven't explained this to me yet, so I'm hearing this fresh. Right. The original ending had the car driving away, seeing the town in ruins with dead birds everywhere, cars in flames, and a final attack on the car before Melanie and Mitch got away. I think that really would have put like a, a button on it, but maybe that would have been less effective. Like I think it would be better for the, the scare, but it would be less like oh, they actually got away kind of thing. Hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Because you you said in advance that there was like an alternate sort of ending, um, but I expected it to be a lot more different instead of just like one final attack sort of tacked on. Well, so this was in the original script and they chose not to shoot it because it would have taken, quote unquote, a month to film that version. Like all the... I don't know, the production of having everything on fire. And they also toyed with the idea of having birds cover the Golden Gate Bridge because... Right, I did the, read that Read that in the trivia. Yeah, because part of the film takes place in San Francisco. Okay, that would have been an interesting ending because then it would be like, okay, this threat isn't just limited to this sleepy little seaside town. It's It's expanding you know, much like a zombie apocalypse would like start in one point and then expand. So I would have found that very interesting. And I think it's kind of ridiculous that they were like, we're not going to film this, you know, uh, this original scripted ending because it would take another month. Because like, if you're really trying to save time, just don't shoot anything at all. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, just shoot the most effective ending. Doesn't matter how long, but you know how studios are. You have to stay on budget, blah, blah, blah. So... Blah, blah, blah. Indeed. Stuff like that. Um, well, they did mention on the radio, I, b- I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that there was some attacks in San Francisco as well. Mm, but they okay, just alluded to that, that in the one scene, I think. Mm. Like when they were boarding up the windows. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm wrong. Mm. I mean, yeah, I w- honestly, like this is, it's weird to say this about films made by an auteur. Like, 
like Hitchcock or uh, or Wes Anderson or um, whatever that guy's name who made The Shining. Doesn't matter Kubrick. what his name is. Yeah, if you say so. <laughs> it's weird to say this about an auteur director, but I actually wouldn't mind a sequel to this movie. Does there exist one? Um, okay, well, there's the movie Birdemic, That's which is not what I meant. <laughs> which is basically ripping off the birds. Uh, well, they made like a million sequels to Psycho. Yeah, they did actually. I forgot about that. I don't think I don't know if Alfred Hitchcock actually directed any. I of really them, doubt but it. I think Anthony Perkins is in some of them. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I feel like there is, or at least there's been some films that have been inspired by the birds. Mm-hmm. I can't even, I feel like I watched a movie with like Kristen Stewart and like a horror film with birds, but I can't, I can't even remember what it was called. Interesting. Hey Google, what's the name of the horror movie with Kristen Stewart and birds? The Messengers is a 2007 Messengers. movie directed by Oxide Peng Chun, starring Kristen Stewart, Dylan McDermott, and Oxide Peng uh, Chun. Classic Dylan McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> you, so, you ever see there was a Saturday Night Live sketch where there was a game show called Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney? That's a and good And they one. would just show a picture of one of them and they would be like, tell me, contestants, is this Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney? And that was the whole sketch. I don't think I would be able to tell you. <laughs> well. They're there so similar. Go. Exactly. Just, similar names. Yeah. Similar everything. White men. Yeah. Anyway. They all look the same. The, ma- <laughs> the messengers. The messengers. So I feel like I, I saw this in like grade six, but like. Really? Yeah. A horror movie? I had. Okay. So I had a lot of friends that were really into horror movies, but I hated watching horror movies, but they would like, they would put it on and I'd be like, all right, well, I want to be part of this social interaction. So I'm going to watch it. And then I would always be terrified. That's Afterwards. so funny. I had the exact same experience. Oh, yeah? When I was a kid, I really hated horror movies, mm-hmm. but all the people that I hung around with liked them. Not mm-hmm. necessarily like friends at school, but like friends from from other sources who were like, you know, a bit older than me or maybe my older brother's friends. Yeah. And so like there was a campground that we used to go to and we would hang out with, with some people there and they would want to watch like the Final Destination movies. Yeah. And where they were like, uh, an appropriate-ish kind of age for like it, maybe maybe a bit young. But then I was like way too young, and those those movies messed me up. Yeah, not gonna lie. I don't know if you've seen any of them. I've seen. Um, I think it's number three. It's like the incident is like a car crash on the highway with like a log, yeah, like a truck carrying logs. Yeah, yeah. it plays Highway to Hell, which is like. Two on the nose. Yeah, I've seen, I think, the second and third one. The second one's like a plane crash. They are freaking scary, man. Yeah, because that's that's all about the kills. Yeah. Like evading death. Yeah, Um, those are the kind of horror movies that I never like, is is horror movies that are like just about the shock, the gore, the kills. It's not really trying to do anything like clever or, man, I'm really dumping on the Final Destination movies, but I think they deserve it. I don't know. I, I would maybe give them another chance because I saw the third one maybe when I was like 13 or something and I mm-hmm. couldn't really handle scary stuff back then. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely more into clever 
Like, I, I always say, like, I only like good horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, someone that's, like, a junkie that's, like, oh, I just love to be scared. Yeah, kind of no thing. way. Like, they have to have good ideas behind them. Yeah. You know, like, sure. Nightmare on Elm Street, The Thing, Evil Dead. Yeah, Evil Dead's really creative, even yeah. though the script is maybe lacking in some parts, but it's more supposed to be, like, tongue-in-cheek, whimsical, indie fun. Right, Yeah. But now, now I'm just having flashbacks to Final Destination, like the girls getting trapped in the tan bed and it ramping up and just like burning, burning them alive in the tanning beds, which I'm pretty sure would never actually happen in a tanning well, bed. Well, a lot of those deaths like just don't even make a lot of sense. Like someone's yeah. like head popping off in an elevator door. Like, yeah, I was thinking of that one it, too. It like has, that wouldn't happen. It has retracting like things so that doesn't happen. Yeah yeah so anyway back to anyways, the birds <laughs> the birds yeah so i was saying the messengers from what i recall it's it's not quite the same but i feel like the birds were the messengers or something like they live in a creepy house and there's like ravens that are like this house is creepy or something I don't know. the ravens are saying that I thought they're, ravens could only say never more they're they're conveying the idea like get out of here okay. Or something. No, I don't I'm know. It's been so long. Raven saying, I don't know. I feel like the movie ends with just like a shot of like a bunch of ravens, and it's like, all right, the movie's over, kind of thing. <laughs> right. Did Alfred Hitchcock adapt the Raven, like the Poe story? Or am I just thinking of the birds? He did adapt a novel, but it was a different novel. Poe story. I've read some Poe, but I haven't read that one, so I can't speak to that. But I don't think it's the same thing at all. Okay. Well, I got one last piece of trivia here. This one's just a little bit a little bit okay. fun compared to the other ones, which are a bit more informative. Trivia number three. The first time Tippi Hedren looked at herself in the mirror after the injuries makeup was applied, she reportedly said to the makeup artist Howard Smith, pardon me, Howard, and then walked out of the trailer and threw up. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, didn't pretty think effective. Looked, I didn't think she looked that bad. It was just like. She had like a bandage around her head and some blood and it was, stuff. It was probably just the fact that she was seeing it on herself. You know, yeah. we kind of talked about this with Dick Johnson is dead, where kind of feeling like you're in a situation where you're dying could kind of scare yourself into feeling like you are dying. That's true. So maybe just seeing herself in the mirror with those injuries made her head spin a little bit, feeling like she really was injured. Mm-hmm. That's my take. I feel like maybe it's like an urban legend, but I feel like for the exorcist, they didn't allow her to look at herself in the mirror when she had the makeup on. Interesting. But maybe I'm wrong about that. But like if I was that kid and I saw that makeup <laughs> on me, I'd be like terrified for life. Really? I guess it, it kind of depends what kind of kid you are. Because yeah. she might have been like, wow, it looks so cool. <laughs> That's true. Some kids are like that. They're resilient. But I would have been like, ooh, I'm spooked. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you rate the birds out of 10, out of 5, however you want to do it? Um, well, it's better than my initial viewing of it. So as I mentioned before, I had a backup movie. <laughs> right. And it was because... I, did, I remember not liking it that much, like thinking it was just like, eh, it was okay. Like so I, you thought we were maybe going to shut it off in the first 20 minutes? Yeah, like you would get too bored that you didn't want to watch it, and then mm. we would watch Harold and Maude instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I still haven't seen. Yeah, that's it's of a similar era, like early 60s. So I was like, oh, I think this would be like a good pivot 
kind of staying in the same mind frame. Mm-hmm. Mind frame? Head. Mind frame. Chris Angel, mind frame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it was better than I remembered. And of course, like watching the movie while eating coffee ice cream, like maybe bumped mm. it up a star. <laughs> in cones. <laughs> So maybe like three and a half. Three and a half. So that's what, seven out of 10? Yeah. I would probably give it the same. Mm -hmm. If I could do, if I could do seven and a half, which would be what, 3.75 out of five, then maybe I would give it that. But if I'm restricted to, to the 10 star system, I would probably give it seven out of 10. Yeah. So to me, like a letter grade would be like a B. So it's like rear windows and A. And I haven't seen any of his bad movies, but well, you will his, soon. <laughs> one of his bad movies is probably like a C or a D. So right. So speaking of more Hitchcock films, going on the same uh, sort of theme here, we watched the Hitchcock biopic, I guess you could say, called Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. So it's about a very specific point in his life, and uh, the logline is as follows: <clears throat> the relationship between Alfred Hitchcock and his wife, Alma Reville, during the filming of Psycho in 1959, is explored. That's the... That's the logline? That's the logline. I think they should have tweaked that. Because yeah. to me, it's more about... I mean, they definitely explore the relationship, but it's through the lens of him making one of his most famous films. Right. Well, this was kind of my first... Uh, my first... I guess you could say complaint uh, right off the bat. I'll say like the movie was, it was very fine. Um, yeah. It was nothing incredible. There's it wasn't. Reason no one talks about this movie. It wasn't doo-doo. Yeah. Uh, but it had, it had a lot, it really had being the Ricardos vibes. I don't know if you picked up on that. Like trite biopic. Trite biopic. Yes. That's exactly what I was going for. Trite yeah. biopic. Um where, like, you know that some of the stuff they're portraying isn't accurate. Um, some of it and, I was fine with because it was trying to give, like, a visual flair. Right. Fine, but. Sure. But, like, they're clearly trying to, they're they're showing the flaws of the people that they're, that they're making the movie about. But they're also, like, kind of trying to glorify them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but also just the fact that, um, you know... It, both both movies it was about a very specific time it wasn't like you know their lives and careers as a whole but it was about like one sort of during of, production of a certain thing of a certain yeah. thing yeah but then i think i kind of had the same complaint about both which is that i want as somebody with a, a film production background i wanted it to be more about the film production and i didn't really care that much about the relationship agree between the husband and wife i, I wanted it to be more it was more like they were using that as like a metaphor for how he was dealing with stuff or something. Mm-hmm. It left something to be desired. I think. Yeah, I, like I would have, I would have made some tweaks in the script. I didn't love a lot of the Ed Gein stuff. I didn't feel it was necessary because they were trying to like do some like weird inner voice of Hitchcock like losing it mm-hmm. kind of thing but it's like Ed Gein was the inspiration for the book Psycho of the movie and it's like it's just it's too far removed from like I know he's a real person but it's too far removed if anything I would have wanted Anthony Perkins character like 
being in his head or something to be more tied to Psycho. That would have been cool, having Anthony yeah. Perkins instead of Ed Gein. Because it's, it's funny that you say that it's too far removed because while the movie would have you believe that Ed Gein was the inspiration for the Psycho novel, trivia number one, many believe that real-life murderer Ed Gein inspired the character Norman Bates in the original novel Psycho, but this was not the case. The novelists had already begun writing the book before the Gein murders were discovered. Once they had made the papers, however, the author noted the similarities between Bates and Gein. Gein was the inspiration for the character of James Gum, Buffalo Bill, in Silence right. of the Lambs, uh, which similar. Uh, also featured Anthony Hopkins. Interesting. And uh, Michael Wincott, who played Gein in this movie, also played a similar killer in Along Came Spider, which has nothing to do with anything. But just nevertheless, IMDb it, was, trivia. it was added to the end of that piece of trivia, so, so I felt the need it? to include it. Oh, boy. <laughs> so Ed Gein wasn't even really that connected. So the fact that they just kept shoving him in as sort of like his inner demon voice, not a huge fan. Yeah, it would have. I don't know. It would have made a lot more sense to make it more psycho related. Yeah. Or or like showing more scenes of like him actually on set, like doing his job. Yeah, because I thought that Scarlett Johansson was a was a great choice for Janet Lee. Yeah. I I don't know the name of the actor who played Anthony Perkins, but he was so good as anthony perkins very good when i saw when he appeared on screen i was like whoa that is anthony perkins yeah like that's why i wanted more of him and less of the other guy yeah because they showed the making of maybe like four scenes and those were really cool scenes especially i loved the scene where they were shooting the shower scene where anthony hopkins goes up and and is kind of like the stand-in for for the killer and he's stabbing the knife and they they flash in and out between janet lee and all the people who he's kind of like angsty at during mm-hmm. the movie i thought that was really well done mm-hmm. but also fictional as i read um well obviously yeah. um they're just trying to like set a tone kind yeah. of thing but like you know we love film production we love behind the scenes of stuff yeah. we love seeing that kind of thing and they didn't really find that very necessary to show they more so wanted to show uh, Helen Mirren's character Alma having like a maybe affair, like, like an teetering, affair. yeah, teetering on the edge of affair at like the beach house, and I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, they they talked about how she's kind of like the woman behind the man. And yeah, that did, was cool. They did show elements of that, and I would be interested to learn more about that and how true that is. Yes. But I wish that was like more of them on set doing that and like just more production oriented. Yeah. I'm also very interested to learn how true that is because piece of trivia number two, Sir Alfred Hitchcock biographer Patrick McGillian McGilligan noted several fictions created by the movie for artistic reasons. These included that in real life, Sir Alfred Hitchcock never remortgaged his house to help finance Psycho. To give it stakes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, His wife, Alma, never directed any scenes in the movie. She didn't really direct. She was more like his eyes and ears while he was sick. Uh, Well, I think it was just... I think it was implying that she came in that day to direct, but it just didn't actually show the scenes she was directing. Um, And then his marriage was nowhere nearly as tumultuous as depicted. 
He never got involved during the production of the shower, shower scene and certainly never scared Janet Lee. With the dead body? Uh, That's disappointing. I thought that was funny. I don't know if they mean with the dead body as far as never scared her like by jumping in as the knife wielder. So it really seems like a, a lot of the stuff that they're trying to show is like the main, you know, the main vibe of the movie, the main driving force of the movie, like his marriage troubles and all that Zombie. never happened. That's why it's so trite. Yeah. Well, you know what they say that like the truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, I kind of feel that way about a lot of um, biopics. Is like, why bother making stuff up if you're like, if you're gonna make a movie about something, surely you're making it because what you're making it about is interesting enough to make a movie about it. So why make stuff up? Yeah, and I just some of the lines were just. Cringe. Yeah. <laughs> like you could tell, like they were just trying to go for like a cinematic effect, and it's like this is a biopic. Like it has to be somewhat realistic, right? Yeah. Like at the beginning, at the North by Northwest premiere, like one big groaner line was like, "It's like a uh, reporter goes to Hitchcock, and he's like, you're at the top of your game.'" why not end on a high note? Like, why don't you quit or something like that? And it was just like, that's so lame. Lame lame enough that you even had trouble remembering it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do you remember it? No. No. Yeah. It was just like, oh, you're at the top of your game. Why don't you quit? And it's like, because he's a a filmmaker. Yeah. And like, he's making movies and he can continue to do what he wants to do. He doesn't have to listen to you. Yeah. So lame. And at the end, when he's like to Alma, I am the master of suspense. (laughs) By saying she's like more beautiful than like the other actresses. It's like, bleh. (laughs) Lame. Well done, Hitch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think you could tell we kind of, we, we were kind of mixed about this one i liked the idea behind it but like it really did remind me of being the ricardos Ugh. it was like a similar ish like era movie. within probably the same within the same 10 years span or so yeah but i mean honestly if you told me that there were shared crew between those two movies i would not be surprised well the the big disappointing thing about meet the ricardos is I am a huge Lucy and Desi fan, mm-hmm. and Aaron Sorkin is supposed to be this like amazing screenwriter, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Oh, it's amazing! It's great!" And then like people liked it, but it's like, <sighs> I'm a big fan, and I'm telling you, like, it's just like all garbage. Yeah, and like they just created like all this unnecessary tension and like. A lot of the things didn't really actually happen that week. and Yeah, like some yeah. of the stuff happened, but like not all at the same time, like the movie was trying to imply that it was. It's like, why don't just you make a different movie? Yeah. Why, do, why does it have to be a week? Yeah. That's yeah. lame. Well, one of the things that sucked the most about being the Ricardos was actually not a, not a problem in Hitchcock, which was the performances. I thought the performances in Hitchcock were were good across the board. Not, like, amazing, spectacular, but, like, perfectly serviceable. Nothing wrong with them. Agreed. I thought Anthony Hopkins was decent as Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I did get kind of more of a, like, Winston Churchill kind of vibe. Sure. But I've also more not... stoutness. I've not seen many clips specifically of uh, Alfred Hitchcock, the real Alfred Hitchcock. Well, I but... think that... Sorry. I think that's what bummed me out so much about Meet the Ricardos is... 
Yeah. I'm a big Lucille Ball fan. So I've seen Lucille Ball perform lots of times. Mm -hmm. So to me, an actress who I don't even really like playing one of my favorite actresses of all time, one of my heroes, Mm -hmm. putting in like such a uh, characterish caricature-ish performance was just like beyond disappointing. Yeah, I feel the same way. I I really, I'm not a fan when actors decide to do a caricature-ish performance or like just do sort of like a straight up impression or like a voice, you know, in a biopic. Mm -hmm. That's part of why I did not like Meryl Streep as Julia Child in Julie and Julia because I've seen clips of Julia Child and she does have a very specific way of talking. And, she does have a weird voice. But that also part of that is played up for the TV show. You know, like she is aware that she's on screen hosting a show. So she has a slightly different way of talking. Yeah, she's a cadence that's supposed to be like a presenter Presenting, voice. yeah. Yeah. But if you stopped her on the street, she'd probably be like, oh, hey, I'm Julia Child. How's it going? You know, like yeah. she'd still have a, a certain vocal quality. But she wouldn't be like, I'm Julia Child and I'm meeting you on the street. And would you like an autograph? You know, mm-hmm. so I, I felt that Meryl Streep took it too far in that direction. Same thing with James Franco and the disaster artist. Everybody knows that Tommy Wiseau is a talk weird, right? You know, and has that specific voice. But anytime mm-hmm. somebody does an impression of Tommy Wiseau, they're not doing an impression of Tommy Wiseau. They're doing an impression of Tommy Wiseau playing Johnny in the room. They're doing an impression. Like overacting. Yeah, they're doing an impression of Tommy Wiseau trying to act, which is exactly what James Franco did during his whole performance. But if you hear Tommy Wiseau talking for real, it doesn't sound like that. It's a lot more casual. Mm, I'm in oranges, bed. Yeah. <laughs> he, again, he has a very specific yeah. way of talking. He has has an accent. He's a bit of a weirdo. Mm, but sure. it's different. There's a difference. And I'm surprised that James Franco nor Meryl Streep really recognized that. So I got to beef with them about that. Well, there's a certain thing with playing characters or like a real person. Everything can kind of get heightened for... You know, the effect of creating a story. It's like, well, why tell the story in the first place? Yeah. But uh, I think the HBO, is it HBO? HBO Julia show. Heck yeah. The actress is a lot more believable. She did a much better job. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more, like, she's still doing that weird voice, but it's a lot more toned down. Yeah. She's a great actress. She's in Doctor Who as well. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't know that because you refused to watch Doctor Who. I've seen a couple episodes. You've seen like one and a half episodes. No, I've seen like two, two and a half two. episodes. <laughs> Why won't Three. you watch it? Because. Because you love British humor. You love British TV shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is true. You like David Tennant because you watch Broadchurch. Not really much of a sci-fi head. It's not all sci-fi, though. I will say. One thing is, it's hard for me to watch anthology series because it's hard for me to find motivation to put on the next episode. Whereas with something that's narrative, it's like, well, I'm picking up where I left off with the characters kind of thing. Well, it's kind of half anthology. It's not like Black Mirror where it's like different characters each episode. Like it is different characters but the doctor and his companions are are the through line for all of it. You know, like you, you, you there's arcs. There's definitely arcs and you follow the characters episode to episode. That's true. And you, you have a relationship with these characters, right? Well, I think part of it is 
is I'm on the Dr. Christopher Eccleston. Eccleston. Who, Eccleston. Who is also in Shallow Grave, another movie that you like. I do like that movie. But the thing is, I don't know. He's, well, in the couple episodes I've seen with him, he's fine. I don't know. The math I'm, is against you. All signs point to you like Doctor Who. So why won't you watch it? I'll get around <laughs> to it one of these days. You won't regret it. Okay. There's a lot of Harry Potter actors in it. That's true. Not like the main three, but like every once in a while, someone will pop up and it's like, oh, it's Morning <laughs> Myrtle. Pointing at the screen meme. It, the, the Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So you got tons of that in the store for you if you watch Doctor Who. I'll give it a shot one of these days. Anyway. If you watch Buffy. I'll watch Buffy, sure. It's, I got nothing against the Buffster. I think it's similar where it's like you're following like a hero that has like baddies of the week that they sure, have to yeah. stop. And it's a lot of sci-fi oriented, like monsters and weird coincidences, weird things going on. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll do a double feature. Three episodes of Doctor Who, three episodes of Buffy. <laughs> I thought this is a movie podcast. Well, back to Hitchcock. Um, yeah, I thought it was okay. It's fine. No, well, no, yeah, no. Again, no one talks about this movie because it's it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's not great. There's actually, I was looking up when I was looking up the trivia. I saw that there's another movie made the same year, a TV movie called I think it's called The Girl, and it sounds like basically the same movie except instead of about Psycho. It's about the birds. Oh, interesting. And it's like, the, I guess, the making of the birds, uh, main characters being Alfred Hitchcock and Tippi Hedren in this case. Right. And uh, the guy who plays Alfred Hitchcock, I think, actually looks more like Alfred Hitchcock. Really? It's Toby, Toby something, who I think he played, I want to say he played Dobby in Harry Potter. Well, I have Vo no idea what that guy Yeah, voice, like. obviously. And he's in an episode of Doctor Who. Of course. Of course. So I'm interested to see that. Mm, I, di I didn't bother to check to see if the ratings for it were higher. But coming off of Hitchcock, I was like, uh, I wish I could watch this, but better. I, I wish agree. somebody did a better version I of think, this. I think we're ripe for like a really, really good like Oscar bait uh, Hitchcock film or, you know, biopic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Anthony Hopkins in the role, I thought, you know, like I said, I thought he was good. Um, the dialogue that he had to speak was was pretty trite and unrealistic. Agreed. Um, but overall, he did a good job. And interestingly enough, piece of trivia number three, Anthony Hopkins wore a fat suit and latex makeup to play Hitchcock as he had recently completed a weight loss regimen. That was not apparent to me. because really? I thought it he, was apparent? No, I mean, it was apparent that he looked fat. I'm saying it was not apparent that he wore a fat suit because he just looked tubby. Bulbous. Bulbous, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, man, this guy's fat. He has to tuck in his tie to his pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. But yeah. yeah, that's interesting that he had, he had lost weight before playing that role. Another criticism of this film is I feel like they show his eating addiction more than they showed him actually making the movie. <laughs> yeah. And that and they didn't show it in a particular pleasing way either. No. But yeah. So rating out of five out of ten out of a hundred? Uh stick with five. It was, you do fives and I'll do tens. 
It was char- or whatever you like. It was charming. Go en- ahead. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was charming enough, and there were some good visual flares. It was watchable. It's something that I would watch with my parents, and my parents would be like, "That was a really good movie." Because like they just they have no barometer for that kind of thing. What if so they're was, listening to this right now? Do you want to preface that statement or? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I doubt it. Okay, I guess Hannah's parents, if you're listening to this, uh, we'll recommend you some some great movies. Well, I mean, they're just they're not as critical, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be critical. Some people are, are like that. Some people have a lot of like. You know, recency bias or just like, you like, know. Like, that was decent. It was watchable. It was come, good. come out yeah. of a movie being like, I just saw this movie. It's my new favorite movie. Which I, I've had instances of that too. When I, I still haven't lived this down with my brother. But when I walked out of The Dark Knight Rises after seeing that in the theater, my brother was like, what did you think? And I was like, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's been pointed no, out to me kidding. the plot holes and the negative parts I found of that. It, but at the time, I uh, thought it was awesome. I did not enjoy watching it. It just went on too long. I, I mean, I could say a lot about that movie. But yeah, I, I could understand that because you're a big batman fan yeah you know you really enjoy that trilogy dark knight i would say i'm your favorite films big christopher nolan fan too in general i'm a medium fan Mm -hmm. so i understand being a big fan of the dark knight being so excited to see the next movie after that and you're like oh it's great but like i think really it just it, it just gave me the ending that i wanted i was i was particularly satisfied with the ending and i still think it's a good ending a lot of people don't it was, all right. it was only upon repeat viewings that I was like, nah, Bane kind of had some wasted potential and Catwoman wasn't that great. And... There was too much filler in the middle. They yeah. could have cut like a quarter of that movie out. It would have been fine. Speaking of cutting things out of movies, I think it exemplifies how we feel about Hitchcock that we keep getting distracted and talking about completely different topics. Because we just have no inclination to keep talking about it. I just don't think that there's a lot of meat on the bones in terms of... Like, I think he has some great stylistic shots at times. I thought that the bird's stunts was effective. Some of the CG or whatever pre-CG effects were a little lame. Mm -hmm. But overall, the practical Uh, stuff was good. The... The bloody body with the eyes being pecked out was, oh, that was scary. Gross. Yeah, and I wanted—I actually wanted more of that. And I liked the big stunt in the town square where it's like there was a bird attack, and then like it caused like a fire, and you know Tippy was in the phone booth, and like they were pecking at her and everything. I thought that was like one of the best scenes in the movie because it—it it was the chaos yeah. that I wanted more of the movie to be I, it yeah, wasn't I, enough of i don't have very many bad things to say about the birds i meant like hitchcock the film hitchcock oh not we the, didn't not feel the inclined director. to keep talking about well it's just you know it's it's like a mad biopic yeah. i think it was more like to set the stage of okay we're talking about this director this film is about the production of making one of his better films yeah. to give more content. And I just would have loved to have seen more about the actual making, more recreating. Agreed. I love that they recreated the psycho poster with uh, Scarlett Johansson That's as Janet Lee. I love that kind of stuff. Like when we saw um, Rocket Man, and at the end of Rocket mm-hmm. Man, they recreated uh, 
partially partially recreated the music video for Still Standing with Taryn Edgerton. That, that kind of stuff I love. And I would have loved That's to have amazing. seen more of that. See, if I did a biopic, I would have been one of those nutcases that's like, let's get this as close as possible. Exactly. Where yeah. it's like, let's pull photos of what their house actually looked like. Let's create it like down to a T wherever possible. Yeah. Like, like if you're going to do like it, that. do it right. Yeah. As good as you can to your ability where it makes sense to do so, I yeah. would say. I'm sure there was a lot of detail that they put into the behind the scenes scenes of Hitchcock. I just felt that the script left a lot to be desired. So I would give it I would, agree with I would give it like a six out of ten. Yeah. You? Did we not give our ratings for I this didn't. already? Oh, okay. Six That's how forgettable out of- it is. <laughs> Right, I was saying that it's like a movie I would watch with my parents. And yeah. They'd be like, yeah, it was good. So to me, it was like, it was watchable. We didn't shut it off halfway like we have with some movies. Yeah. So maybe like. I mean, we took a break in the middle, but. Yeah. Yeah. But that was because it was getting late. Mm-hmm. So we watched the second half the next day. So out of 10, we're at a five. Uh, I'm, the I suspense think, is killing I, me. I think I'm going to give it the same score as you. Like a six out of ten, so three out of five. Yeah. So it's good or not? It's not good. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. Yeah. It's it's a C. It's a C. Okay. It, it's tolerable. Right. It passes. Well, we're gonna take a little break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Vertigo, which I have seen and I hate, and you haven't seen, and we'll see what you think. Maybe I'll love it. You don't know. You might. Maybe I'll love it the second time around. Maybe, maybe we'll I'll love it. it. Maybe I'll love it the second time, but you'll hate it. And I'll be like, no, you got to see the themes. And you'll be like, Phew. you know what? Maybe because you hated it so much your first watch, you'll have such a low bar for it. You'll be like, you know what? It was better than I remember. That's very possible because I'm yeah. not excited for this. Well, I don't mind Jimmy Stewart, but I feel like I read one of the reviews was like, Oh yeah, the, it was like a, a a tree could outperform the lead actress. Yeah, or something. I remember that review. Let, we'll find that review yeah. and we'll we'll read it uh, when we come back. But yeah, spoiler so, alert: what I don't like about this film is Jimmy Stewart. But I don't know if it's fully his fault because I've seen Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. He's good, at and that. I like that a lot. Yeah, was he the lead in Rear Window, or am I nuts? I don't remember. <laughs> it's How do we watch Rear Window? I think it is him, isn't it? Well, we'll, we'll figure it we'll out. Figure it out. <laughs> and we'll be right back. See you soon. See ya. Well, welcome back. We did in fact watch Vertigo as promised, but we are not here to talk about it. Uh, we recorded our episode talking about Vertigo and it ended up essentially being the length of a full episode and uh, our discussion on the birds and Hitchcock was already getting a little bit long in the tooth. So we decided to make the Vertigo episode its own separate episode. You'll hear that when the next episode comes out. And we're just going to say a little sayonara just so that you can hear our lovely voices and not be disappointed at the loss of Vertigo because it's coming. Goodbye. Farewell. <laughs> Is that what we're going with? Um, Yeah. Okay. Do you want to try that again? Three, two, one. Goodbye. Farewell. (laughs) What's what comes next? I don't know. Okay. Avidas and goodbye. We'll see you next week with Vertigo. (laughs) Have fun.
拜拜。Bye.